We're going to start a new series today, and it is about um, discovering joy. Do you notice that there's not much joy around? Uh, we, uh, maybe because of COVID and other things, there's just not much joy around anymore. So the subtitle is Understanding God's Grace. And today we want to talk about one aspect of God's grace. We're going to talk about saving grace. Now, for many of you, you've already experienced this, but it's a good reminder. And if you're not a Jesus follower, uh, follower, we can help you do that today, as hopefully as clearly as possible. <clears throat> now, I'm going to ask a couple questions. Or actually, I want you to help me finish some statements. Uh, <clears throat> if it sounds too good to be true, yeah, yes. Uh, I get these things all the time emailed to me, and I think, no, no, that. That's not true. Um, Old commercial. We make money the old-fashioned way. We we earn it. Yes. We understand that. Uh, No pain, no gain. How about... um, There's not such a thing as a free lunch, right? And one more, God helps those. Now, lots of people think that's in the Bible. It's not, okay? In fact, it's bad theology. This can all be, these terms can be all classified under a term we call the American work ethic, which is a good thing. That's why America is the greatest country in the world, because people work hard to get ahead, and you can get ahead working hard. The problem is God doesn't operate that way, and that's what makes grace so hard for us to understand, because it's so contrary to this American worth ethic that we all know so well. So what is grace? Well, let me read you a verse of Scripture, tons of Scripture about God's grace. Let me read you a verse, Psalm 145.8, the Lord is gracious. This is his character. This is his nature. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, not just a little compassion, He's full of compassion, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. I love that word. We all like love. We all like kindness, loving kindness. So this is God's nature. He can't be anything else but gracious. Of course, once we figure out what gracious means. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm really glad that my God is gracious, especially when we define it. So what is grace? A couple of definitions I came across is love in God's love in action. Pretty good definition, I believe. Here's a new one for me. It's God's, the face of God when he looks at my failure. Wow, that's pretty powerful. The face of God when he looks at my failure. We need to understand the difference between grace and mercy. Mercy is when God doesn't give us what, I, what we deserve, or I deserve, meaning punishment. Uh, the fact that you and I are breathing means that God didn't give us what we deserve because the wages of sin is death. We're all, none of us are dead. <laughs> so God has been continually being merciful to us. That's part of his character. That's part of his nature. Grace, on the other hand, is when God gives us what we don't deserve. We use the term blessing often for that. God blesses us, gives us things we don't deserve. 
most of you that have been watching or present here this morning have been saved by grace. You would, you would tell me that. You would agree with that. The problem is that often we fall into the trap of trying to earn it, trying to make God happy or try and keep God from getting mad at us. Uh, even though we believe and even understand that we are saved by grace. So this is foundational to understanding Christianity. <clears throat> For example, how do you know you're going to go to heaven when you die? Um, most people don't. Most people they ask if they believe in heaven. And if you don't, that's okay. Um, but if you believe there's a heaven, how, how do you know you're going to get there when you die? Now, most people are going to tell you what? I hope so. Which means they have this kind of concept that if I do enough good stuff, more good stuff than bad stuff, or outweigh my bad stuff, then maybe, hopefully, I'll go to heaven when I die. <laughs> Terrible theology. That isn't what Christianity is about at all. <clears throat> So we're going to talk about five aspects of salvation by grace, and we're going to use the acrostic grace. So we're going to start with something that starts with a G. So first, it's God's gift to me. God's gift to me. Paul writes this, for it is by grace through faith you've been saved. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast about it. So how do you get to heaven? <laughs> By grace, through faith. Now most of us know that intellectually. Uh, most of us believe that. He also says it's a gift. We often use the term free gift. Now that's kind of redundant, isn't it? Isn't a gift free? If I said, uh, I'm going to give you this Bible, but I need you to give me $2. Is it a free gift anymore? Not a free gift anymore. It's either free or it isn't. I don't know about you. I get these uh, emails about sometimes Christian organizations want to send me a free book or something else, sometimes from like um, uh, vitamins and supplements. I want to send you a free bottle of this. I say, oh, that's, that's nice. That's interesting. Then you start to fill it out. And what do you find at, down at the bottom? Oh, what are they asking for my credit card? Well, oh, there's a f shipping and handling charge. All right, so is the gift free? They'll say at the beginning, absolutely free. It's not free, is it? Um, but God's gift of grace is free, and maybe that's one of the reasons it's hard for us to really believe it. <clears throat> Christianity is the only religion that is based on grace. And some forms of Christianity aren't based on grace. All other religions, based on some rules, rituals, expectations, things you have to do or things you shouldn't do if you want to be accepted by God or your God, Buddha, whoever it might be. Every religion of the world has a list of do's and don'ts, and your eternity is based on how you do or don't do. And in some forms of Christianity, that's taught also. But that is not Christianity. That is not uh, grace. 
So religions are all about do or not do. Christianity is about done. One guy asked a pastor once, what can I do to be saved? And the pastor knew this guy pretty well, so he was kind of joking with him. He said, "Um, you're too late. Meaning, well, it was done 2,000 years ago on the cross. Jesus Christ provided your salvation. It's free. Um, All kinds of illustrations of grace in the Bible. I'm going to tell you one story. It comes from the Old Testament. Um, Saul was the first king of Israel. And uh, along comes David, and he becomes very popular, and and God's going to anoint him the second king. Now, normally the king's son would be the next king, and, the, and Saul's son was Jonathan, and Saul hated, he was jealous of David. And so they butted heads. In fact, Saul kept trying over and over again to kill David, and David didn't retaliate. In fact, David and Jonathan were best friends, and they made this covenant, this agreement, that if something happened to one of them, the other one would take care of their family. Pretty important. And so Saul and, and Jonathan are actually killed in battle. And David becomes the next king. Now, when the kingship changes from one family to the other, the, the old king's family are scared to death because what usually happens is the new king kills everybody's, all the family members of the old king. So time goes on, and, and David remembers this agreement he made with Jonathan. And so he asks, is there any of Saul and Jonathan's family left? And they say, yeah, 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 one of Jonathan's sons, Mephibosheth, it's hard to say, uh, he's alive, uh, but he was small, uh, his nurse dropped him, and he, he can't, it broke his legs or whatever, he can't walk. So David says, have him come to the palace. So if you're Mephibosheth, you've probably been hiding, and what do you think is going to happen when you go to the, to the palace? Well, the king's going to order you killed, because we get rid of all the old king's family. So he comes in, and, and David says to him, hey, I want to provide for you the rest of your life. I want you to live in a palace. I want you to eat at my table. I want you to be just like one of my sons. Now, that's just one beautiful illustration of grace. Did he deserve it? No. But this was a free gift from David to Jonathan's son. And God gives us a free gift of his grace. He invites us to sit at his table. We be a part of his family. In reality, we're all crippled just like Mephibosheth, aren't we? We can't get it all together. I mean, we get some of it together. Some of us do better than others at times. But we're all broken and bruised and battered and and crippled. Um, Jesus said this on the cross. It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, the important question is, what is it? What is finished? Well, he wasn't finished. I mean, he was dying, but he wasn't finished. He was going to come back to life in three days. His life, his existence wasn't over. So what was finished? Well, he had finished paying for your sin and mine. He paid our debt. So we, quote unquote, get to go free if we accept, again, that 
give. So, salvation by grace involves God's gift. Secondly, it involves, the R stands for received by faith, and we read that in the verse. By grace you are saved through faith, and not of works, so we can't boast about it. Do you ever get a gift and not unwrap it? Birthday gift, Christmas gift? I don't think I ever have, but if you have, what would be the reason? Especially if you got kids. I've never had a kid not open a gift that you gave them. Well, maybe, why wouldn't you open it? Maybe you think there's nothing good in it? Or uh, maybe you didn't believe it was for you? Why would you not unwrap a gift? And anybody that's not accepted God's gift of salvation hasn't chosen to unwrap the gift. To believe. To have faith. Can you imagine what heaven would be like if it was based on our works? Good stuff we do. I can imagine getting to heaven and seeing uh, Billy Graham or or Mother Teresa. And I'm going to think, wow. And they could say, well, Billy Graham, I, I preached for 60 years to millions of people and millions of people are now here in heaven because uh, God used, used me. Our Mother Teresa talking about her good works in, in, in the slums of India. Uh, and I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> I've been a pastor for 40-some years, but I'm nothing compared to them. So it would be a horrible place, wouldn't it? We would be comparing ourselves and, and falling short of what other people have done. But salvation isn't based on works. So we can't boast about it. It's received by faith. And Paul wrote this, he said, the promise is received by faith. So salvation is received by faith. But it's a promise, important word, promise, is given to us as a free gift. There's that term again. Is it a gift if it isn't free? Anyway, it's a free gift. <clears throat> promise. The word is promise. I don't know about you, I try and keep my promises, but I, I'm not perfect, so I don't always keep my promises. Uh, but God, can anybody stop God from keeping his promise? That's really the question. Of course, no, he's almighty God. So if he promises that salvation comes through grace by faith can't be broken. It's only up to you and I to choose to believe it or not. One of the reasons it's by grace is because who gets the glory for it? Or who gets the boast, not that God would do that, for it? God does. I I can't boast about anything. It's by God's grace. I don't deserve it. I can't boast about it. So God, you get all the glory, you get all the praise, you get all the honor because it's simply because of you that I have this eternal life in relationship with you. Uh, one of the beautiful stories Jesus tells helps us understand this. There's a guy, a dad, who had two, two sons and the younger son decided he got tired of waiting for his dad to die and get his inheritance. Horrible, horrible thing. Basically, he wanted his dad to die. And so he comes to his dad and says, Give me my inheritance. And the dad, as big an insult as it is, gave it to him. Now, he was the second son, so he'd get half of what the older son would get, but still it was a substantial amount. 
And so he goes off and has a great time. Wine, women, and song, etc. We, we don't know how long, but not probably very long. Uh, he spends it all. Now he's penniless. Can't go to the ATM and get more. So he has no money. Once you have no money, he has no more friends. So what's he going to do? Well, the story says that eventually he winds up, this is a Jewish boy, he winds up taking care of pigs. Now, Jews had nothing to do with pigs. They were unclean. And he got so hungry that he began to eat the pig's food. Again, we don't know how long this goes on, but eventually he said, this is hard. Well, I, I, I can't keep doing this. You know, the, the servants in my father's household had a much better life than this. I know what I'll do. You know, I'm at rock bottom. I can't go any lower. Here's what I'll do. I'll go to my dad. I'll beg that he will hire me as one of his servants. I have no intention of, or expectation he's going to let me back in the family. But, but maybe if, if he's got some kindness left toward me, he will let me be his servant. And I won't have to work with pigs and I won't have to eat pig. Now, the dad, of course, at this point, has just kind of forgotten about his son, right? No. Any of you who have children, you never forget them, do you? And so he's watching every day, hoping, maybe today my son will come home. And one day he sees him coming down the road. Now, he just waits for him, right? Okay. He's coming. I don't know how this is going to turn out. No, no. He sees the son returning. He runs to meet him. Now, we don't understand that in our culture. A couple of us run all the time. <laughs> in Jewish culture, men don't run. It's considered impolite. He runs to his son. And he doesn't wait till he takes a bath and gets the smell of the pigs off. He embraces him. And he doesn't wait to have a conversation with him. He says, get the robe, the family robe. Get the family ring. My son who was lost is now found. He's completely invited back into the family, no matter how terrible he had treated his father. What a beautiful illustration of God's grace. Because all of us have mistreated God. Yet his grace is still 100% available to all of us. So, salvation is received, grace by Faith. A stands for available to everyone. Paul wrote this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, not might be saved. If you call on the name of the Lord, if you have faith, you are saved. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, smart or not so smart, color of your skin, what nation you belong to, uh, if you're religious or not, that does not matter. All that matters, if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. <clears throat> See, heaven's a perfect place. Anybody here perfect? Anybody watching perfect? No hands here. <laughs> no, nobody claims to be perfect. So none of us can get there. If we did, it wouldn't be perfect anymore, right? So we, something has to happen for us to be able to get to heaven. Uh, Bob Goff, a pastor, wrote this. If you think you're mess up, is bigger than God's grace, you know, you, you're just too bad, then that's your second mistake. That's your second mistake. And there's all kinds of illustrations in Scripture. Uh, Paul wrote most of what we're reading this morning. 
He went around killing Christians just because they were Christians. Um, by grace, he was saved. Peter. Jesus had 12 disciples, but he had three, three guys that were kind of his best friends. Peter was one of them. And what happened, what did Peter do on the night Jesus was put on trial? He denied him. Not just deny him once, not deny him twice. He denied him three times. Have you ever been uh, betrayed by a friend? How horrible it feels. One of the worst things that's ever, ever happened to me. And then um, the criminal on the cross. This guy was so bad that the Romans, most of the time, they put criminals, you know, as slaves. They made slaves out of them. So anybody would be executed. They thought they were too bad to even be slaves. And so this guy, Jesus said, hey, he accepted Jesus by grace. He certainly didn't do anything to deserve it, earn it. He said, oh, today I'll see you in paradise. So it's available to everyone. C stands for comes through Jesus Christ. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. That's where grace comes. Well, why Jesus? Why does it come through Jesus? Good question, right? Why? Because he paid the price. Did Mohammed die on a cross for anybody? Buddha? Any other John Smith or anybody else from some, some we would say, uh, cult? No. Comes through Jesus Christ because he was the only one that paid the price. If I bought a ticket to some, just a movie ticket. Say I bought a movie ticket and, and I gave it to you. The reason you get to go to that movie is why? Because I paid the price. I bought the ticket. So that's the same with Christianity. Jesus Christ paid the price. He bought the ticket. Now, we say it's free, but it's not cheap. In fact, it's the most expensive thing in the universe because God gave his most precious thing, his son, Jesus Christ, so you and I can have a relationship with him. That describes grace. <clears throat> Paul wrote, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Remember that word condemnation. We'll come back to that. The term in Christ or in Jesus Christ appears 120 times in the New Testament. It's the most popular description in the New Testament of what we would call a Christian or a Jesus follower. If you ever get an email from me, you know how it's signed? Somebody remembered in the first service. In Christ. That's right. You got it. That's the way I sign it. Why? Because that's the most popular way to describe a Christian in the New Testament. Let me try and illustrate this. Let's pretend this represents my life. Okay? All right. What have I done in my life? I've done some good things, but I've done some bad things. I've hurt some people. I've um, not done some things I should have done. Um, people have hurt me. I've sinned. I've had bad thoughts. Um, I have regrets. My life is pretty much a mess, right? Yours too. So, 
That's what my life looks like outside of Christ. But in Christ, you can't see all the terrors and the bruises and the wrinkles, can you? No longer see it. See, God can't look on sin. He's perfect. He can't look on sin. So when he sees you and I, how does he see us? In Christ. One other verse about in Christ. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. Well, who would treat it as meaningless? Well, for if keeping the law can make us right with God, ah, my works, doing good stuff. If I could get into heaven that way, then there was no need for Christ to die. Oh, so all that suffering and death on the cross was wasted. It was useless. If you and I could get there some other way. In fact, if we could get there some other way, do you think Jesus would have done that? Of course not. There's no other way. One definition of grace is God, acrostic, God's riches at Christ's expense. Again, he paid the price. So it comes through Jesus Christ, and lastly, extended, E stands for extended through eternity. Extended through eternity. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Fascinating story to me, anyway, uh, in the New Testament about Jesus. One day he went to a wedding with his mom. You know, it's a festive occasion. And the story goes, the host ran out of wine, which would have been a no-no, <laughs> been an embarrassment uh, in that culture. So somehow... Mary finds out, or knows, maybe she was helping, and she goes, hey, Jesus, I need your help. So she goes to Jesus, here's the situation, we're out of wine, this is really embarrassing to, our, to the host, can you help? And the story goes that he turns water into wine. But here's the th- part I love about the story. So the people are drinking this wine, and all of a sudden, somebody says, hey, this is really fascinating. Most hosts, you the Best wine first, and when people get drunk, they don't really care so much, then the wine's less, you know, more inferior. But you, you've saved the best wine for last. Now, if I asked you, what do you think of life here on earth? Pretty good? Hopefully you think your life's pretty good. But Jesus saves the best for last. We have eternal life. And then we're going to be in a new heaven and a new earth someday. So, we'll have to have a series about heaven one day, but uh, just want to highlight a couple aspects of heaven. First, it's going to be a place of reunion. Reunion. So, I'll see my mom and dad again. I had an older brother I never met because he died as a baby. His name was Willard. I'll get to meet him. My, our first grandchild was... Um, Miscarried. So I'll get to meet him or her. Um, Aaron, our daughter-in-law who died. I'll get to see her again. All of us have lost friends or loved ones. We get to see them again. How amazing is that? It's a place of reward. We talked about that in the last series. Kind of hard to understand what they're going to be, but we're going to be rewarded. What we did here on earth, we're going to be rewarded in heaven for eternity. It's a place of reassignment. Um, 
new earth, we're going to have stuff to do, like on this earth. And I'm sure it's going to be stuff we enjoy doing, and we get to do it for eternity. I always think John's here, he's a runner. We can run and not get tired. Won't that be amazing? Um, and release. One of the most things I look forward to in heaven is no more sin, no more sorrow, no more tears. We had somebody lo- lose his brother this week to death. No more grief. Because there'll be no more death or dying. <clears throat> I don't know how many of you know who B- Peter Drucker was, but he was considered the father of American management. So he was all about business, right? So, so he was a believer, and someone asked him about how he got saved, and he said this, when somebody first explained grace to me, I realized I was never going to get a better deal. There's no better deal than free gifts, sins forgiven, eternity in heaven. Relationship with God now on earth and eternity in heaven. And maybe you feel condemned. Maybe you're not a believer and feel condemned by God. Maybe you're a believer and feel condemned. There's this um, incident in Jesus' life that some folks gathered caught a woman in adultery and brought her to Jesus, threw her down on the ground and said, hey, Jesus, condemn this lady. She committed this terrible sin. And Jesus said, okay, okay, I know that's the law. We, we should stone her. But here's my suggestion. The one of, the one, any one of you that's without sin, you throw the first stone. So time goes by and eventually nobody's left. So it's just Jesus and this lady. And... Uh, the little uh, dialogue uh, that they have with each other is just fascinating. Jesus straightens up and asks her, Woman, where are they? Those who condemned you. Where are they? And she said, uh, No one, sir. And then notice what Jesus responds. Neither do I condemn you. Well, I, I've just committed adultery. Maybe multiple times. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it. That's grace. But he didn't stop there. He also said, go now and leave your life of sin. Sin is hurting you. Don't you stop to hurt you and hurts other people. We're talking about change. Change for the better. Five areas of God's grace. Maybe you're struggling with one of them. Maybe you just don't understand it or fully believe it. So that's my challenge for you um, over the next week. What area of God's grace do you struggle with? Accepting. Begin by choosing to believe what God says rather than what you may believe or not believe. So we're just getting started with grace. This is my favorite topic. I couldn't believe it's been four years since I did a series on grace. So we're going to spend uh, probably more than a few weeks talking about God's amazing grace. Let me pray with you. Uh, Father God, thank you. We thank you for amazing grace to us. It's just, it's, it's hard for us to, to fully grasp. It's just not our nature to be that way. But we're so thankful that you are because otherwise we have no hope. There's no other way except for Jesus. He was willing to do what we couldn't do. So Father, for those of us that are Jesus followers, we pray that we'd have a greater understanding, appreciation, so that we'd be more thankful, that we'd be more joy in our life, no matter 
what our circumstances might be. And if anyone is not a Jesus follower, would you just simply believe that Jesus loved you enough to die for you with no expectation? It's a gift. If you receive it, you can have your sins forgiven and eternal relationship with God. Communicate with Him now and live with Him eternally. All you have to do is say yes. Receive the gift. The Spirit of God will enter into you and begin this renewal, this good work in you. Father God, we thank you for your presence here. You have spoken. We have heard. I pray that we listen. We are obedient. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.